0: Guys, on today's select few episode, we have Ken Allison, who works with IDI. He, in my opinion, is a is the top of the industry in the insulation business and thermal and everything else associated with what we do in my building trade. Science. You know, building science. He's like my build Nye the Science Guy type guy. Wow! <laughs> Thank you. You know, industry. You know, aficionado in the in the energy field.
1: I tell people I have to go to work because my wife is sick of hearing of this stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah it, it,
1: it. <laughs> it's true. The best thing
0: I can do is leave
1: home. I get to talk building science.
0: It, it's funny. I'll have a conversation about insulation on the phone and my wife over here. She's like, you forgot to mention this, this, and this. I'm like. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How did you know that? The problem is now that my son works here is, you know, he's like, it's like the pinky in the brain, right? But I'm pinky. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he's all brain, yeah, and he's efficient. Like he's more efficient than I could have ever been in my entire life. Wow! And I can't keep up with that. There's not enough Adderall to keep up with how quick he learns stuff.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: So I'm like, I'm looking at okay, who's the next person to step in and take him on field trip? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> he's doing really well, but it's a whole different world.
1: That is awesome.
0: So Ken, we uh, we we're glad you came on the show. I'm glad yeah. I made it out here. I know you're always jet-setting. 108 and, uh, degrees out there. That's why we're inside.
1: I love it. <laughs> I mean, There's if, plenty of air conditioning in here.
0: We could take it outside. I'm good. You good? You good? <laughs> I'm good with inside. <laughs> so, Ken, uh, we've met because, obviously, you are for IDI, who's one of the largest, if not the largest, independently-owned distributor of insulation products. Yes, I do. And um, years ago, back in 2011, I... I started using IDI as I was looking for a relationship not so much just pricing this and that and, and IDI started to fit my mold. And then years later we met. You know, it's probably been 8 or 9 years now. It has. And uh, you know, me, the size of a company we are, we don't typically, you know, buy from third party. But because of the relationship, the the hard work behind the scenes to keep a company my, like my size moving it's it, just, it was always a fit so you and i developed a relationship through all the building science questions and nonsense that that we get in this industry and you geek out every time i call you about the oddest questions
1: i think rabbit holes are cool there's <laughs> nothing wrong with a 30 second answer but i just can't give one
0: <laughs> that's, that's, except on a podcast yeah <laughs> so the, the one of the things I want to talk about is you know we've, we've talked a little bit about my company and, and what I've done and things like that and we have some more segments coming from that but we also have some other people that are in the installation industry coming on the show that have their own companies I want to talk to you more about the distributor's role in our success because it's not, it's not one side. It's not, you know, Walter built a company and single-handedly did it. It's all the moving parts in the background. And a distributor, I believe, plays a major role over just the manufacturer. I think the manufacturers, they're, they're too large that it drowns out the amount of service that you can actually get. And so I, I'm one who needs top-level service. I'm very needy. And uh, fortunately, you know, Adia has, you know, a great gentleman named Bobby who just. Makes Am I
1: allowed to agree with the fact that you're needy or should I just be quiet here? No, you should
0: absolutely be honest. Oh, okay. I'm very needy. My wife, my <laughs> wife could tell you guys that I'm needy as it gets. But so why why do I have that mindset? Like in your, in your field, why do people, I mean, there's several people like me who buy large quantities from third party. Mm hmm. And there's a lot of people who don't because they're like, well, I'm too big for a third party. And so I want to push the message of why third parties are important and what, you know, say IDI or any distributor can bring to the table.
1: So I would separate that question into really three. You've got people that want to buy direct and direct works for them. Um, They don't want any service. You know, you could call it being, you know, what sometimes I loosely term as a builder slave. Uh, If all you're doing is new construction, bricks and sticks, every job, every day is the same, that works. But when someone's based in, you know, Chicago or Atlanta or Florida and you're in Texas or Colorado or Montana, it becomes very hard for them to really do anything for you <clears throat> sorry the problem you get into is they may have a rep on the ground but sometimes reps trade out sometimes you get the new guy so it really depends on what your needs are in terms of how you want to grow that business some people are great with a lower margin I'm gonna focus on this I don't really need salespeople I'm just going to go be this person's foamer or insulator or you know fiberglass person so you go from that to maybe you really don't want any help growing your company you just don't want to have a warehouse you don't want to be unloading semis you don't want all the forklifts you want somebody more local but you really don't want them in your business you're still doing you know now we'll say custom homes large builders things like that we're still sticking to the large business model Okay, so what you're looking for is price. There's distributors that do that. When I worked for Demolec as their business development person, IDI became my largest distributor. And the way that they did that was really through helping people with their company. Um, they wanted the just-in-time delivery, the warehouses, the things that most people have, but they also wanted to go train people. And there's, there's quite a cost for that. So when Demilek really uh, did its first sale and, and things changed in the marketplace, I was looking for somewhere to go. And I, you know, there was a non-compete and all of that. But when I finally reached out to them, I reached out to Joe and Chris mostly because they were the one customer that everyone I ever met trusted them. Everyone I ever met said, hey, anything these guys tell you, it's going to happen they don't mislead, they don't. And so I felt a lot of trust there and I reached out to them with the idea that we could really amp up the training piece and the business development piece. And what was funny was they were 100% on board doing that. They were 100% on board of anything it takes or anything you can think up that's going to grow the contractor, do it. And it was really odd that there was no background questioning of what's that going to cost. Of course, now today, you know, my department's gotten bigger and there's questions. I'm not saying I have a wide open checkbook. But we've been allowed to bring on people that, you know, were some of the top techs in the industry, both on fiberglass and on foam, and building science, and put together these... uh, classes as well as go out and help people learn blower doors learn infrared cameras just do things a little bit differently but there's a cost to that so I would agree that number one they're they're not going to be the lowest price but if you're looking for someone that truly wants to get in and partner with you and would listen to what you ask for and then try and provide that they're absolutely the one and that meant there was a home for me I didn't really have a home in a price-based model. So I would look at it in three segments for the large contractor, and that is you can just go and, you know, be somebodies, like Meritage Homes or Beezer or D.R. Horton. You can do that and not have the warehouses, not require a semi of A, a semi of B, and all of that, and have local service, but you're in the price model. Or you can go with someone like IDI that's going to try and help you Bolt more things onto your business. Come up with other ideas. You have a question, they're going to immediately give you someone that's going to chase that down. Uh, I think it's kind of unacceptable that if you call someone in the true service model like IDI, and they tell you to go look it up, uh, that's not, that's not a very usable partner. So I'm very happy to say that, you know, the guys that work for me, meaning TJ and Chris, they're not the type to tell you to go look it up. They'll go look it up. They'll get on FaceTime. They'll help you fix it. Yeah. And so I do like that. Then you get to the people just coming into the industry. I think if you're just coming into the industry and what you're looking for is price, you're kind of playing a fool's game. Because most of the companies I know that have ever lost money or went under, it was really never due to material pricing. It was because they were bleeding money somewhere. And that's going to require a partner. Not everybody is as open as you. I have to say, Walter, you've been great over the years because if somebody had a question and I knew you had an answer, you would actually talk to someone in another state. I'm not saying a competitor in your market, but you would talk to people. And so, you know, there's these relationships we build and people coming into the market, that's invaluable. Because if all you're looking for is a price, you're out there on your own. You're an owner on an island and everybody you talk to wants something from you. Meaning if you're talking to your employees, they want pay. If you're talking to your contractors, they want cheaper. You know, it's just there's no safe harbor for uh, resource. So again, a long answer, sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was about 30 seconds. <laughs> we, we knew better. We, we allotted plenty of time for your answers. <laughs> cool. But, but, you know, so, you know, you brought up a point, and a lot of we get, obviously, in this industry, people, it's like, oh, it's like get rich quick, do this and this. And, and honestly, and so now you have the franchises jumping in who are the distributor and the franchise. And it's like, you're seeing them go up for sale within a year, two years after the, you know, the, these, these owners are swindled into a $200,000 buy-in, you got to finance the rig through them, and everything they're giving is just absolute garbage. And they don't partner with an idea. They don't partner with any other distributor out there. They're dealing with this franchisee, and they're set up for failure. And I think that goes back to you can do this on your own, but you really need a strong backing from a distributor who has the answers. You know, and, and I've seen IDI in the last 12 years change tremendously, you know. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I can tell they, they spend a lot of the the money that they bring in through profits and, you know, what's next? What can we do for the customer? And you don't see that a lot. You don't see them, you know, the growth is like how many more businesses can we buy? How many more locations can we open? Versus, hey, we need another department for this. You know, because y'all didn't build rigs 12 years ago. You know, you weren't servicing rates. You weren't, you didn't have spray techs out there. You didn't have any of that. You didn't have a, a sales program, you know, so there's a lot of money, millions of dollars being spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. you know, being spent in, in, in developing stuff for future customers.
1: Yeah. We just, uh, you know, you start looking at digital ordering, things like that. Uh, We just switched to SAP, and that was just an iconic undertaking. You know, the first thing you do is watch your business fall apart when you switch from, you know, uh, one software to another on a major operating system, whether that be Oracle or SAP or any of the others. And so that was a multi-year endeavor. But I want to go back to something you referenced at first, and that is... I remember from the days of being in manufacturing, I met so many fantastic sprayers who would see that foam was tremendously expensive. And they would be out spraying a job, and a builder would try. We're not even to the point of franchises. A builder would talk them into going out on their own or tell a friend down the street or a cousin, hey, you need to get into this. That guy's driving a lifted F 250. You know, he's making money hand over fist and charging me a fortune for spray foam. And I talked to those people on the phone and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. For all you know, the person that gave that builder that bid was $1 out of bankruptcy. You don't know that foam is tremendously expensive to begin with. If I'm going to pay $2,000 for a purple mattress, but you want me to go put that same grade of foam in a 4,000 square foot house for two purple mattresses, it's not going to happen. We're not going to take 32 (laughs) square feet and spread it with a butter knife. And so, you know, somebody you, will. <laughs> I just, I'm amazed by that. And so I would talk to them about what do they know about business? I, I say this in classes. I tell people, and it's really unfortunate because I've offended a lot of them, but I tell them, you know, if you bought a rig and you intend on pulling the trigger, congratulations, you bought yourself a job and you'll see their eyes get big and they're upset and they tense up. And what I'm trying to get across is an owner has a job and you know, Uh, maybe I should pray to God that the that IDI doesn't hear this podcast because what I'm about to tell you 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 know what an owner's job is Walter what's that I'll tell you what the owner IDI's job is go get me a raise (laughs) I'm not I'm dead serious if you think about it what does an owner do because this person has bought themselves a rig and they're planning on going out and pulling the trigger who's gonna find higher margin work who's gonna negotiate better contracts who's gonna learn building science who's gonna find a mechanical contractor that doesn't leave you in the lurch in a building full of humidity who's going to actually watch over this and who's gonna be the jerk not the friend who goes out and sells a contractor, but then holds the ground, draws the line in the sand and makes him pay. How many $2,500 sets of foam can you have hanging out from last month before you go bankrupt for next month? And so to me, what the tragedy is, is people see, excuse me, people see all the money. But what they don't see is how much of it goes out and how slim the margins are. I tell them, do you realize fiberglass actually has a larger margin? And so a lot of this is about opening eyes to understanding our industry rather than just relying on what someone else told you. If I'm moving franchises or moving rigs or moving foam, if that's my main gig, I've got to convince you to do it. But realistically, when people come to class, I think our job is to kind of tenure that back a little, tell you what really goes on in the industry, and then let you make a more educated decision on whether or not you really want to go forward. Right. And that's also a service to people like you. If I can help filter out some of the people coming into the marketplace to where they truly understand the market a little better... Then it's really helping fill in the spots that we actually need in the market. What we don't need is price bombers. We need people to do great work.
0: You know, the, the problem, and I always throw a lot of shade at uh, anybody that builds a rig, right? Whether, <laughs> whether that's uh, manufacturers, suppliers, third party, because what happens is they look at, okay, this guy's gonna spend $100,000, $200,000, and <clears throat> it's okay. Here's a rig. Here's three days of a training class. Go have fun, right? And then guess what? Then you get to read all the fancy horror stories on the Internet, you know, where they did it wrong, you know, because mm-hmm. they think three days of training is plenty. Anybody could pull a trigger. And, and you can get on some of these uh, Facebook pages and you can see some of the worst photos imaginable for this particular industry, right? And it's like there's a lot of problem with that. I'm actually a big proponent of us being regulated. I
1: think that really, you know, can an electrician damage a home? Sure. Can a plumber? Yeah. Can we make a home uninhabitable? Yes. Okay. So to me, if you're thinking about what trades in the world should be licensed, Ours absolutely should. Oh, yeah. I would I would love to work with states to make that happen. I think it legitimizes our industry. I think it raises wages in our industry. I think it prevents chemical sales to people that shouldn't be in Slow the industry. Slow the
0: wages. We need to keep those down. Those are way too high. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Where are we getting priced out of wages. Where are your
1: sprayers? I just want to talk to them about when their last raise was.
0: Well, I can tell you right now that that my sprayers are making like three thousand dollars a week. So, dude, they're driving sixty thousand dollar trucks though. So See, My, mine are not the ones to talk about because no, what? You're right. I'm not the guy that needs you know, a $10 million house. I need guys that work for me to have a living. You know, they have nice cars. They have nice things. They take care of their family. They can go on trips. I think that That's is one need.
1: of the best mentalities you can possibly have. We have to convince people to get into this industry, and I can't convince someone to get in a 170-degree attic for 10 bucks an hour. It's not going to happen. We have to have sustainable workforce development that is going to have people wanting to show up at your door, and they're going to be more responsible. When we tell them you have to ventilate, they're going to ventilate. We want professionals. And I think what you bring up is absolutely correct. When we talk about photos online, things that went wrong, all of that, if we don't start to regulate ourselves, we may not like the way regulation shows up right it may come with a whole bunch of attachments that were unnecessary and wrong but if we do it as an industry i think we're going to get what we need and so i would love to see that conversation go much much farther and you know you talk about when things go wrong it gives every one of us a black eye yeah. and every person that winds up injured or has to move out of their home All you got to do is go to Google and people think spray foam is killing babies. It's not. You know, the fact of the matter is when it's done correctly, it's a wonderful thing. And you could take that to the whole insulation industry. If I wind up leaving you a house clear full of holes, every one of those leakage points, I mean, come on, Walter, you've walked onto new construction sites. Can you see daylight? When you walk into a house, do framers I, perfectly seal up a house?
0: No, I tore it into my existing house a couple of times through a remodel, and it was built by you know, a national builder. And uh, you can see right through. There you go. There's so, areas with no insulation.
1: But those, don't think of them as air leakage. Those are contaminant pathways. And we've got to get that language down to the average buyer, to the homeowner. I call them blowholes. But they're contaminant pathways. When air, we're in Texas. It was 106 today and humid. When that air comes into the wall and cools down, it leaves moisture in the wall to combine with all of the, I'm just going to call it dust and pollen rather than getting disgusting like I like to do, (laughs) but it's going to start growing things in the wall. And you know, when somebody tells me, should a house breathe? I'm like, they don't die. And you don't want to breathe the air that comes through the wall. So, you know, Whether you're in fiberglass or foam or whatever it is, the more professional we get and the more professional we pay people, that word spreads out through our employees, through realtors, through people that are happy. I think we really have to watch our reputation as an industry because there's already too much on Google that doesn't work well. And I would go backwards and say that also... I think that as manufacturers, we've got to stop fighting each other. We can't have fiberglass people fighting foam people, who are fighting cellulose people, who are fighting board stock people, who are fighting SIPs panels. The fact is, there's a lot of products that'll make great buildings. We just need to go make great buildings, and if people realize what we can do today compared to what we did years ago, they're going to want what we can do. Well, that's why
0: you're going to have, you know, you have historic houses from the 1800s. You're not going to have a historic house from the two thousands. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. For sure. You know that, what I mean? It's, it's not going to happen because excellent point. you know how many straight line winds come through Texas on a new building. It's like racked it's to the ground. I'll it,
1: never forget. We got a new house in Colorado Springs and I was there maybe a month and the wind came mm-hmm. off the front range and I'm in the second story master bedroom, you know, kind of over the living room thing. I've got the pillow against the wall and I feel the wall move, and the drywall mud pops off a nail, and the nail's sticking out above my head. And I'm thinking,
0: I just paid over 200000 for this. <laughs> There's your sign. <laughs> <laughs> what a bargain that was. Right? Wasn't it? But, I mean, that's the thing, you know. And, I mean, energy codes have gotten more strict, right? That's – it's a mm-hmm. – you know, it's a good thing, for especially for the industry, but it's a good thing for the homeowner. You know, people don't want to pay excessive amounts of utilities. But what's interesting is the, the tighter we build the house or the more efficient we build the house, the higher the utility costs go. Right? It's kind of like the more electric cars that come out that's going to start driving the gas prices up because it's going to be a shorter usage.
1: Well, you know, if I look at mine, I had 2014, January, the electric bill was $1,109. We fixed the attic. We didn't do the rest of the house. This is a 1984 house. The pool is sliding down the hill. I'm I know, still it's, not it's into 40, buying It's 40,000
0: square feet, Ken.
1: It's 4,000 <laughs> square feet. It's 4,400. <laughs> so, but now, you know, the, the bill this year was 156. And I didn't that? I didn't go overboard. That's
0: a great question. Ken, who foamed that?
1: It's foam board.
0: Foam board, huh? You bet. All on so the you, inside. You, you Home Depot special did it? No, I Poly did not. Board. I got it at IDI. <laughs> <laughs> I got it at IDI, I swear. Did you, uh, really, did, I you, did. Did you use my sales guy for that, Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, it's funny. I, ha- I used to have a lot of friends, and then uh, I had Bobby and a couple of other guys help me the week of Christmas do my attic, and now they don't want to come over when I tell them I've got a project.
0: Is that why Bobby's shoulder's bad?
1: You know, you can be a blamer all you want, but the fact is, I was teaching him.
0: Is that what that was? I heard you rode off on your motorcycle.
1: That's not true. It was December. I might have left in the truck, but I didn't
0: (laughs) leave on the motorcycle. You you left the wife to watch over them?
1: No, that would have been good. It would have been done faster if Mary would have been driving the job, but unfortunately, I was there.
0: I mean, when Eric comes to help me, I'll be like, hey, i got to take a call real quick. Give me a second. Three (laughs) Three hours later, he's done. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, shoot. a good strategy. I should have helped. That
1: him. is brilliant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't you don't hold that against him, do you? No, of course not.
2: I know why he called me over.
0: Oh, okay. I, I needed a real man to do the job. <laughs> That's why I called him over. <laughs> I see. You know what I mean? I love it.
2: So why'd you put foam board instead of retrofitting with foam? So the truth of the matter is I'd done several drilling
1: fills over the years, and every ceiling upstairs was coffered. And I knew if I would have wrecked one of Mary's ceilings, it wouldn't have gone well. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't heard of one being done before. And I wanted to get rid of all the thermal bridging. I wanted to keep the roof deck ventilated. So I took a fire rated foam board, put it all the way up in the attic, made a chase going from one end to the other so that I still had a working fan and a working vent. And then made a finished attic out of it all at once. Then gun foamed every seam, put tape over that, and that combined with ripping out two five-ton systems and only putting one five-ton system back on a 1984 house, forty-four hundred square feet, so roughly a thousand square feet per ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, dropped the bill. Literally, my high bills are in the one fifties, one sixties at this point. That's incredible. Yeah, but. That brings up another point. You know, what we do changes the building. Whether it's the foam board in the attic or whether it's spray foam in the attic, I think if you've got mechanical... Allison Bales, Dr. Allison Bales, calls it trying to make ice cream in an oven. We have 170-degree attics, and that's where we put the air conditioner in the south. It would work better in my driveway. But no, I have 170-degree space. Let's put it in there and try and make cold air. And so I think no matter what, when you've got mechanical in the attic, you have to condition that space. The only way to do it is the way I did, which was very hard. It would have been far less expensive to spray foam it. But do that or, or spray foam it because you've got to get that mechanical inside. It does not make sense to take the hottest place you can possibly find and throw that in there. Think about it. I I had roughly, we'll call it 350 cubic feet of ductwork. What that really means is every January, if it was 20 degrees up there, the first thing that happened when my system turned on, it pumped 350 cubic feet of 20 degree air into the house. Mm -hmm. In August, it was pumping in 350 cubic feet of 170 or 150 degree air into my space. That's insanity. Yeah. You know, what we do, I, I tell people all the time, there is nothing greener than what we do. Nothing. They can talk all they want about, you know, not eating meat, cattle farts, whatever. <laughs> there is nothing greener than what we do. I don't know any. 40% of energy in the U.S. is used to heat and cool buildings, and 40% of that, according to the Department of Energy, not according to Ken, is lost due to air infiltration. Again, back to you know, contaminant pathways. And so in my mind, I don't know much more honorable than what we go do. And now with the inflation reduction act and all of these rebates and everything, I feel like there's no greater career you could pick and no greener pasture to plow between now and the year 2050.
0: That's that Bill Gates doesn't buy up any more farmland.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and have us eating modified chicken, right? I you like know. the word modified.
0: I mean, everybody going to go out and get Snoop Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop Dogs. Yeah, he's got his own, you know, hot dog line. Oh, perfect. Is he really, put yeah. that on
1: a pretzel bun. I mean, it's perfect, right?
0: Yeah, Snoop Dogs. I Makes like sense. mustard.
1: If anybody's making a run,
0: okay. Yeah, I mean, faux meat and mustard. <laughs> faux meat. <laughs> you know, same the mustard seasoning.
1: foam meat now you're talking Whoa, we can do that wait a minute we're a distributor <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i gotta watch what i say.
0: let, let me patent that it the idea
1: i don't think we're going to get into the <laughs> you don't think natural food about. business i mean we
0: can we can get into foam meats joe <laughs> y'all want to buy my meat <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gonna have to taste good i can uh, tell you that much there's some good barbecue out there you're competing with
0: i love you chris <laughs> Ken, IDI has been around a long time, some like forty years.
1: Nineteen seventy nine.
0: Nineteen seventy nine. Where were you in nineteen seventy nine?
1: In nineteen seventy nine, I was installing HVAC for my big brother and going to high school. So, any time thirty in high school, anytime summer came around, I was not trustable at home.
0: Uh, we don't need to elaborate so on that. So you had to work.
1: Yeah. I I had to go with him in the morning and come home at night. But it gave me cash and taught me that I didn't want to be an HVAC contractor in Colorado. I didn't like buildings that didn't have windows.
0: It was cold. So in 1979, Ken, Joe is following his dream and starting IDI. Yes. What was your dream in 1979?
1: To get out of high school. Out of high school? Yeah. I had to wait till 1982, but, you know, hey, it was... It's a dream.
0: You did eight years of high school.
1: Nine, I think. Okay, I can't add still, but I passed.
0: Well, that's good. Passing is all that matters.
1: Yeah, you know, as long as you get out, isn't that what they say? I think so. It was on good behavior, I think.
0: <laughs> I had the most skip days in high school, like did you school's history, like 132 days
1: of skip school,
0: and I still went on to the next grade.
2: Wow, they were trying to get rid of you.
0: That's when. I, that's when uh, I indirectly knew that I could sell. You know, it's like I had cosmetology teacher approached me one time, asking me if I sold weed. And I'm like, "Huh? I'm like, why would you ask me that?" They're like, "Well, we just assumed." And, <laughs> and I'm assumed? like, "I'm like, I'm, a, I'm like elaborate, you know?" And then uh, when they were done talking, I was like, "I know a guy." <laughs> <laughs> you need some. You know. Uh, so in 1979, Joe starts IDI. His dream vision. And it it, it was huge. It manifested into something. And obviously, that was a great dream because he's made a very successful brand, very successful company. And it's, it's, you know, Chris comes on board and whatever year that was because he's still a child.
1: You know, the one thing that I really love about what happened with Joe and Chris was... You always see families, you know, as you make it through life, you see where a child benefits from their parents or whatever uh, comes into, you know, we'll call it a windfall. That wasn't the case. In fact, Joe, um, I interviewed Joe one time and one of the things he was very proud of was the fact that Chris did not get to just come into the business Joe decided Chicago was a very tough place to get the business going. So let's get a trailer there and send Chris there and have him start the company in that area. And Chris went there and literally built the Chicago branch and came to Minnesota later. And one of the things Joe said to me when I was interviewing him, he said, you know, most of my kids don't want to work for me. They think I'm tough. And I really it gave me a lot of respect for Chris because Chris, uh, you know the the guy thinks a hundred directions at the same time, and that's really a hard person to relate to because you can't really judge where they're going. One of the things that's funny was we'll talk about when we meet with him. You think you've answered everything that's going to be asked of you, so you prepare to go to a meeting and. I'll be damned if the guy doesn't ask you three things that you were never prepared for. And most of the things on the list, he's not asking. <laughs> and so it's, it's one of those, you know, you grit your teeth and you're like, why didn't I know that was coming? But as a family, they're just unique. You know, Joe had that uh, I want to be everyone's father mentality and really uh, brought people under his wing. Almost nobody left uh, he just he developed this family, and that's really what the beginning of IDI was. It was a family. They've even called it a fraternity. So as Joe moved back and Chris moved forward, that really launched us into more of a uh, you know just a larger corporation with still the same mentality of let's help the contractor, let's build them through these resources. He what he didn't do was pull back on what the contractor got, but because we got larger, the family dynamic of IDI itself had to change. Sure. Because you, there was just too many people. You couldn't, you know, hold a little barbecue and invite everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, today we're over 500. So as, as it changed, I guess the, the top had to change as well. And, and it worked out quite well, but Joe's dream... Really was amazing in that he was able to treat all of these people as family. And to this day, there is so much love for Joe, even in the marketplace. I told people up until this year, you know, Joe's three original customers from 1979 were still with IDI. Well, one retired. Darn it, I wish I could have talked to him first. I'd still be able to say three so it it's kind of funny that that's how this whole thing played out, but he really was a visionary for what we do,
0: yeah, and I mean, it obviously worked you know there there's you know sixty plus locations of IDI and growing mm-hmm. and uh, most of the people you meet it's when I meet new faces it's it's interesting because I don't have anybody that works for Friday in my phone that doesn't work Friday anymore in the last 12 years. I'm very selective on my circle, and there's and you guys have this one guy. And I don't know if you remember the story, but he's uh, one of the GMs in the Kentucky location, and uh, I randomly looked at him <laughs> while we're sitting at the airport eating, and I was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna call you Chicken Nugget," and and I, and I swear it has stuck. He's in my phone as Chicken Nugget. Has he stuck. leaves voicemails as "Hey, it's Chicken Nugget." Well, of course I know it's Chicken Nugget because it shows up in my phone as Chicken Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's funny and and like even when I started my relationship with IDI, like you know I kind of kicked Chris out of my office like and didn't do business with them because you know they the sales guy at the time had like this Range Rover and they pulled up and I was like, that's not who I want to do business with, you know, because the flashy and all that kind of stuff was kind of like not my thing.
1: And what's funny that that would be an anomaly. We really don't have anyone like that. No,
0: no, not at all. And it's changing. There's a reason that guy's not there, and he's probably falling off the face of there because I haven't heard that name in a long time. And um, <clears throat> but but I can contest to IDI, and why I've stuck around for twelve years. You know, we have manufacturers knocking on our door every day. You know, they can beat IDI's price, a few cents here, a few cents there. But it doesn't change the, you can't put a price on the support. You know, I can, I can call, you know, your techs. I can call the GM. I can call, you know, regional, um, you know, directors or whoever their positions, names, and responsibilities are. But I can call them for whatever I need. And, and I can call you with any random damn question I get <laughs> because I'm rarely stumped. And I can't remember right now, but I remember I called you last year with with a question that stumped you, which is not easy to do. And and I'll try to remember while we're talking, but every time I call you, it's, you have the answer. If not,
1: I'll go find it.
0: Because the only time I call you is when I know you're going to have the answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but that can test the people that IDI will hire. You know, a lot of companies like, especially us, like we will hire people. You know, they might not even have experience. We'll give them the experience. We'll teach them. But the people that have been with IDI for a long time, they're, they're a certain caliber of people, you know, and, and that says a lot. You know, that that shows that Joe's vision is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, it. you may not be a family-based company with 500, but I know there's probably 30 or 40 key members in IDI that are, you know, like a family base.
1: At least. I know my... Uh training class my original new hire class back in 2014 Chad Gallagher was in it he is the district manager in the northeast now okay. uh you know Greg from Portland was in it and so we we tend to hang on to people that you're right they're of that caliber and and I just think that they're the kind of company that if you really want to be an expert at what you do, love your customer, dig in with them and partner with them, they're 100% on board having you do that. Even today, you know, we're, we're entering a new world with these. I mentioned the rebates earlier one of the things that Chris decided to do was, hey, let's just start the most comprehensive page on the rebates, the Inflation Reduction Act, the tax credits, and all of that. It's now ranking number two on Google. But what it's there for is as a resource for you guys. It's really part of the resource library. We want to provide that. And so even the people we bring into marketing, the people that answer the phone, we want them all to be like that. And i am not I'm not going to, you know, have some fairy tale where I try and tell you that every person we've ever brought on was like that. That's absolutely wrong, (coughs) but it's the goal.
0: Yeah. If if you can summarize in the three reasons why people like me and others out there should be using IDI versus direct ship, what would you do? What would you say?
1: I would say first and foremost it's a family-owned company that does not and never will compete with you. They do not have any installation locations. So they're not sharing information. They don't take a project that you say, "Hey, I want special pricing on this, you know, massive project like <coughs> doing the airport or whatever it is." They're not going to undermine your business by having their own interests in what you're doing. That's number one. Number two is the resources. They're more than willing to spend the capital on whatever resources they believe their customer needs. Um, Sad story, actually, as part of this. I was uh, one that brought it up, and everybody really was talking about it. We wanted to develop a software Some of our customers didn't really like the software that was out there in the marketplace. They wanted one. Uh, Chris said, hey, go look for one. I go see this guy in another state, and we hire him to create a bidding software for us. And I asked for a whole bunch of things. I'm sure we made it hard on the guy, but it failed. And really, part of the issue was I know I wanted 100 things, but it really needed to be run by someone else and another developer brought in without batting an eye. They closed the one that I had initiated, got rid of that, didn't give up on the idea of helping the contractor, went back to the drawing board, found a better company to develop, and now here we are in year like three of this bid-it software program where all the things that contractors are asking for They've now hired a separate department on to try and go get those, and we're getting to the point where the next release is actually going to hopefully have things like e-signature and things like that. It already works with QuickBooks and many other things, but my point is they sat there with contractors on the phone saying, nope, don't like it, really like this, and they never gave up. There was many contractors in the beginning that were like, this is junk, you need to give up.
0: That was one of those.
1: I know that
0: I didn't throw you under the I, bus. I was one of the beta testers, and I stopped using it. But <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we, we we own the program, right? We mm-hmm. licensed the program, shall I say? And you uh, and, and we like it. You now. know, now, now, not my version. No, I, I waited three years. Yeah, so. so this is more recent because we got tired of dealing with spreadsheets. You know, multi-million dollar companies still working off Word and, and you know Excel. And you're not the only one. But that's though. okay because we mastered them. <laughs>
1: That's for sure. But, you know, we still send faxes, okay? So that would be my number two. They, they're not just walking away from things. If they think something's going to help you, they're going to try it until they get it right sure. and, and try and develop that as a piece of the offering. Number three, I would go back to what you said. They're going to bring on the caliber of people that are genuinely going to be able to help you. Like I said before, I could talk about just-in-time inventory, where your warehouse, all of that. Um, I think that's an expectation for a distributor. You've got to be able to get the product to people. You got to get it there on time. You got to answer your phone. There's a lot of you gotas. It's the extra things that you don't gotta, and it's also. Just trying to be your partner, while we may not be first to the table when prices go up or first to the table when prices go down, which is really what everybody would like, they're trying to really be an effective partner. And I've seen that over the years. So I like that. And consequently, it's made me be all in as a person. Because I'm, I'm going to constantly look at the business myself.
0: I mean, and, and that's always been my thing is, you know, I'm a, I'm a dollars and cents kind of guy. And um, we'll spend just a little bit more. And it's not much, obviously, over manufacturing pricing, direct pricing, taking out third party. It's really not that much more for what we're getting in return. And, and I think that's where a lot of these these businesses out there in our field are missing the, the ball. You know, we're, we're very successful. You know, we're, we're pumping out a couple thousand sets a year. You know, and is you know, there's times I'll, I'll literally call and get a delivery two hours later. Hey,
1: hey, hey, hey. shh. You know. That's not for everyone. No,
0: it, you <laughs> know, it, it's not It's not for everybody, but a select few. Exactly. Ooh. <laughs> Very
1: nice tie-in, Walter. But, but, you, yeah. <laughs> but,
0: but you know, in, in all reality, you know, all honesty, it's like, there's been many people who have come talk to IDI and, and come talk to me as far as like they want to get in the business, stuff like that. And, and I'll consult with them and I'll them like, you know, here's the pros, here's the cons, you know. But if you're going to do it, you need to align yourself with, with IDI or some kind of large distributor who actually cares more than just the dollar. Because that's how our entire business has been developed off relationship, not the dollar. You know, that's the relationship with our, our employees, the relationships with our customers, stuff like that. And and that's where IDI fit that mold because I have the vision like Joe had. You know, it's not about I need all of these things and you know, this type of life. I need everybody around me to have that life. You know, instead of me getting three hundred dollars and everybody gets fifty, I'd rather everybody get one fifty. You see what I'm saying? I do. So I want everybody to have a, a good, honest life. Because at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. But that's if true. everybody can not have to worry about the bills, that's more important to me. And IDI ha- doesn't make a ton of money off of me. I know the numbers. <laughs> you know? You, you know enough people in the industry, it's like I can tell you what the manufacturers actually pay to to produce the product. And then what the third-party buys right because you know the problem is a lot of these manufacturers are creating distributors with people who install the phone
1: that's true too
0: which is bullshit because they can go sell it at the price they're paying as a distributor you know what i mean
1: and that's all well and good when there's product yeah but you also have to look at the last few years you know if you go over the last 10 years there was more than one time people didn't have product
0: Oh, for sure. And
1: you always did. That's fact. So, and and I probably shouldn't be throwing this out, but you know, one other benefit of dealing with someone of our magnitude or size or whatever adjective you want to throw at it is really we are going to do our level best to fight for every load when things are under duress, when there's, you know, no product in the marketplace we're fighting for every load we can to get it to the people we know are loyal to us sure. because it's our job to help them survive. We both know who the two big giant behemoths in the industry are. I'm not talking distributors, I'm talking installers. Right. We know who Which they are
0: distributors too. That's true, <laughs> but I'm saying
1: as an install company, right. we know who they are. And they're the ones that are going to eat up the direct. If you're buying direct and you're small, you're the first on the chopping block because they have to feed the monster. Sure. Us, on the other hand, you're our monster. Without you, we don't survive. And so you are very important, critical, in fact, to what we do. That's why we make the resources, but that's also when material is under restriction or you know, we're just out of it. We're gonna do everything we can to find it for you. We're gonna call people, we're gonna threaten people. We're going to look to, you know, light the world on fire just to get you a set.
0: <laughs> I mean that's that's that was our that's what we went through 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 the COVID. You know, we were mm-hmm. we were open, you know, and busy. And we were actually picking up slack from all the companies that couldn't get material because of what you're talking about with these big conglomerates you know, limiting how much product they're going to sell to the average customer because they've got their own 300 locations. So that's where it went to first. You know, meanwhile, we have this, you know, existing relationship with IDI and stayed loyal, even when the price sometimes didn't make sense. We stayed loyal until the price made sense. It kept us in business. Because if it wasn't for IDI, we wouldn't have made it through COVID. You know, the people in IDI literally helped me look under rocks, for, for materials. It got stressful. You know, I got into a deep depression during that time and I had material. So it's like it, it's very it's very important that people out there actually realize that a distributor can be your friend and actually help you be successful in business. Yeah, it's a partnership. It is. And that's 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 the one thing that, you know, I do wanna, you know, applaud IDI for is that. You know, and, and you can you can talk to Joe and Chris and Mike and all these guys up there. They don't have to wine and dine me. You know, we we spend several million dollars, but I don't need wine and dining. I just need you guys to do what you're going to say you're going to do, and that's what they do. And that's what I'm easy. Then sometimes I group text everybody and start bitching. But <laughs> you know, I ha- I have to do that. I have to show. Hey, I'm the boss. Hey, you know, <laughs> nobody gets through life
1: without. Throwing a couple of fits. If, yeah. if you're that strong, you know, you should probably be a counselor or something. Do that. You know, it's like <laughs> we all have needs, and at times we act differently than what we did the day before. Yeah. And, you know, that's you got to be able to see past that, too. Uh-huh. You know, oh, for sure. Nobody I mean, paints an S on their chest and flies every day. I mean, your salesman, Bobby, maybe, you know, I don't know.
0: I mean, he's he's pretty close. <laughs> he's, you know? he's your superman? He, he's my super fun. There you, you go. You know what I mean? But... But that's what the thing is, is it's like, it's like Eric can contest and he can tell you, how do we sell? And I've always told him since day one, sell you, don't sell me, don't sell this company, don't sell nothing, sell yourself. For sure. And, and legitimately, <clears throat> that's, that's what Bobby has done. That's what you have done, right? You've indirectly sold yourself because you don't want anybody to know about you. You want to <laughs> be secret. You want to talk all you want. And it's like, I'm just kidding.
1: I like being in the background. Right.
0: But that's what happens with some of these, these like, it's like chicken nugget, right? <laughs> Nate, shout out to Nate because
1: I can't wait for Nate to hear this. <laughs> He's
0: he, you know because Nate Nate's a good dude, right? You he is. Can, but that's when they when they actually get put in my phone it's because I like them and I don't like sir I like a lot of people in general but only certain people actually get put in my phone because you can see that they're real wholesome people genuine genuine people. yeah and that's important to me absolutely. Eric. you know you can be the smartest dude in the room, the richest dude in the room. But I honestly don't care. I don't care if you have a quarter million dollar watch, <coughs> $10 million dollar house. I don't care. If you're an asshole and you're not wholesome and you're not a good person to other people and you don't treat the, the cleaning team as well as you do the CEO, then uh-uh, you're not my phone. And some people don't give a shit. But that's okay. But that's who I am. And But that the reason I say that is because that is who IDI is with certain people. Certain people who work for the company... Hold that quality, you know, because there's a lot of guys out there who buy very little amounts of foam and they demand the most from IDI.
1: That's a, a funny scenario that happens. There's, you know, when I went into the Navy,
0: uh, they a, had something.
1: Indeed. And there was this unique, uh, almost like Twilight Zone kind of thing that would happen. And they called it a kid with a crow. If you look at the shoulder patch on all those sailors, you can get one stripe, two stripe, three stripe, but the minute you get a V, above that V, there's a bird. What they meant by a kid with a crow was as soon as you gave that kid some power, it went right to their head, and they kind of lost their mind. They were no longer what you would call not socially acceptable. They just weren't socially right. Yeah. And uh, it's a hard phenomena to explain. Well, sometimes someone gets into their, you know, we'll just call it island of being an owner. And they tend to forget that the world still will gravitate to people that are nice and they demand things as opposed to ask for And what's funny is they don't get any more by doing that. What you often wind up doing is driving people away from you. And you have to be careful about that because you really, you know, your job is collecting and all kinds of other things. But the minute you start cutting people off because you feel you're the driver and you just don't have time to navigate or negotiate with this person, you've dismissed them as a person. And and I try and remember that even if I'm calling, you know, AT&T, it's a matter of when I call someone, I want to get the most out of them. I'm still selling. I'm still talking to them in a manner that's going to try and move them my direction. And the people you're talking about, I think they forget that they're trying to move someone their direction, and they tend to believe that demanding will get them there. Often it won't get them there even with your own
0: employees. Well, I mean, that's exactly how it goes. What do you think, Eric?
2: I agree. I mean, you can't sit in your ivory tower and and give demands you know people want you to level with them and and see them as a person and
1: yeah you
2: get more out of them
1: well and that's a relationship sure you know one of the best advertisers in our industry and this is you know totally third party nothing to do with IDI one of the best people in our industry uh there's this company called energy circle and they run google ads Energy Circle. They've run circles.
2: He they, said. Oh, man. <laughs>
1: they they run ads for so many home performance contractors and things, but they also will teach you how to find people and go hire. One of the things they did on their website for when you go to try and work for them, if you read their hiring policy on the front page, it's here's the criteria and no A... Assholes? Okay, I didn't say that, but yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> I was thinking it. Yeah,
1: so that's their <laughs> hiring policy. Yeah. How could you ask for a better hiring policy? We all want to get along. We all want to have a good time every day. Uh don't apply if you're one of these.
0: You know, I'm I'm a, Eric's been a little quiet on this one cuz he's uh he's not quite in build nine mode. I, I didn't have my uh my vitamins. <laughs> that's right. So so I want Eric to close this out with one last question. For Ken? For Ken. Not related to insulation. Something related to the way your mind works. Mm. And I say that because you spend a lot of time watching documentaries, educational. I don't like this pressure. And so I feel like there's got to be just that that most random thing you've thought about.
2: It is a lot of pressure.
0: And And I tell you what, there's nothing... I I, I say there's nothing because I stumped Ken one time, but there's probably nothing you can ask Ken that he doesn't have something to talk about.
2: I don't know anything about that. Have you gone to Jackson's Deli yet? (laughs) What is Jackson's (laughs) Deli? In Sierra Vista. It's amazing.
1: Suddenly I'm jealous.
2: It's right by uh, Domino's, by the the entrance to the fort. Yeah. It's, It's really good. It's been there a long time. It's an old Asian couple. They'll make you a hamburger. They'll make you teriyaki and beef. But it's delicious. You need to go. Oh my gosh, I need to go to Jackson's, Jackson's Deli. Deli. You it's know, the spot. I,
0: I totally forgot that we we're also Saravistians. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kent owns two houses there. Now.
2: Hey, 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 hey! Shh, take
1: it easy.
0: You know, like, dude, there's
1: Mary does.
0: Usually, when you have one house, you're a fool. Right. But when you have two, <laughs> you've been double dipped, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Sierra Vista. Bless it's, that it's the
2: crown jewel of Arizona. Dude, it's, it's, the it's arm, one of them. It's
0: like yeah. an armpit to me. Like It's, it's like in it's the, the most useless area.
1: Okay, it'll be about 120 today in Phoenix. Okay, it's going to be about 110 in Tucson. So let's just take a look at the magic phone. So Tucson's 110. And if we go over to Sierra Vista, it's only 94. Not bad. God smiles on Sierra Vista. Is
0: that what that is?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Better weather, mountains coming right out of the ground. Do you realize those things are gorgeous? There's a waterfall. You know all about I would, Sierra I would, Vista. I would
0: tell you Sierra Vista scenery, like once you're outside the city, like mm-hmm. the mountains, beautiful. It's absolutely like, it, beautiful. It's great. Like there's something about the desert in Arizona. Like it's just it's it's amazing, right? It's beautiful. Yeah.
1: Of course, there's the not, not a lot of food choices. I, mean, I am going Jackson, to Jackson's Deli, Deli. I'm Deli. I'm telling you.
0: I mean Jackson's Deli and Filibertos. You know what I mean? Like
1: okay, Filibertos is pretty good.
0: That's you remember when you hadn't had it yet?
1: I do. You're welcome. And then I remember the first time it came back out. Well, <laughs>
0: anyway, it's I mean it's a go-to place. <laughs> yeah. You it's the kind of
1: place that when you fart, you know, when it dries, it itches. <laughs> oh,
0: <God>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Sierra Vista, it's uh, a tiny little town that's, you know, only there because of the military base. And not true. a lot of people know about it. And, and the small, you know, this very large world we live in tends to be very small because it's like randomly, you're like, yeah, I bought this house in Sierra Vista. I'm like, are you shitting me? You know? <laughs> like, he's like, do you know where that is? It's like, yeah, unfortunately. You know, my wife's born there, Yep, and two of my children are born there. See, Erica
2: understands, though. It's a nice place. It is nice, yeah. I love the mountains. I like uh, hiking up there. Have you been to Coronado Cave?
1: Not to the cave. I have it's been in really Coronado cool. National Monument and up over the hill, mm-hmm. but not in the cave.
0: We're not talking about the street of Coronado. Right. You know, the trailer parked off to the side. You know? Yeah, that's. <laughs> no. But it, it's really cool. You should, you should go check I it I need out. to do that. We, we were
1: going to go to Karcher Caverns uh, oh, this okay. last trip, but we pulled up and it was totally sold out. And the lady's like, no, you can't even pull in there. You have really? to have a reservation. Yeah, yeah it's that gotten popular. that popular. Wow.
0: Have you made your way down to Bisbee?
1: Absolutely. I figured
0: you went down there and found some damn rocks.
1: Yep, yeah. I bought rock in Bisbee. I bought rock in Tombstone. I uh, bought rock in uh, Benson.
0: Yeah, we're talking about like decorative rocks, not crack rocks, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just thought we were trying to stay awake. Uh, no,
1: no, I've I've gotten uh, chrysocolla. Yeah. one of the big chunks of chrysocolla right out of uh, that area in Bisbee where the big mine is and uh, my wife owns that now I'm not allowed to turn that one into jewelry I did buy some other uh, Azerite in that area and have turned some of that into jewelry and then picked up uh, some really cool rock at a small rock shop in Tombstone because they just didn't have that many customers it was you know during COVID and because they weren't selling anything, they had this box of rocks labeled a dollar each. And I'm looking at things that I used to sell on eBay for 10 bucks each, you know, because you could make some real stones out of them. Sure. And picked up about a dozen of those
2: and just, yeah, love the area. That's the place for rocks. We used to go uh, rock hounding out there. You did? Yeah. Nice. As a kid. Yeah.
0: Eric, what was that movie we just watched?
2: Um, Shawshank?
0: You have the Do you have the rock hammer from Shawshank? I I used to have one. <laughs> a little, little pick. pick I do have a pick rock hammer. I do. I have two. You know, you have like the movie rock hammer because I know you're a lot of, you like rocks.
2: I love rocks. That one's I, a I love small. gold pan. That's like either. an archaeology rock hammer.
0: I just yeah. I feel like he's got that. Like he's got a little. He's probably got a hammer in his pocket. A little kit and he does. got a
2: hammer
1: it in your pocket right now. I do not have a hammer in my pocket.
0: Do you walk around looking for rocks like just like you pulled up to our property here? No. Is there a rock? No. It's not a good
1: area for rocks. I don't look for them in Texas. No, I did in Colorado, but I don't in Texas. Um, (laughs) uh, Colorado, I also did a lot of gold panning, but most of the time I'm not looking for rock. I'm a person that likes to cut stone rather than find it, and a lot of the people that find it want to keep it as specimens. Not me. I want to slice it up, (laughs) polish it, put it in silver, and have somebody go, wow, I really
2: like that, and I'm like, here you go five thousand dollars <laughs> don't i wish <laughs> yeah i wouldn't have to know much d- building science if that to, was the case <laughs> you need
0: to know your value ken if three dollars we yeah, three dollars yeah
1: 350 next year because you know the economy's changing
0: okay three dollars three video okay let me check my, my checkbook your pocketbook. yeah let me uh let me balance and pull my pocket watch out check the time and stuff like that but you know well, Ken, you caused me to rant on for another 15 minutes, but you know what? Uh-oh. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been, a been a pleasure. pleasure. It has. And, thank pleasure. you, guys. And I did not expect Eric to go about food. <laughs> of course. Food. That was your question. You could have been like... That's what came to mind. Ken, what do you think about the I'm fact that Elon right Musk just launched a satellite to go explore you know, dark matter in the universe? Yeah. Like you could have really like got him going. Wow. And you asked, That's why
2: I didn't. You asked about food. I think I, wanted, I just I had I a 30 second meltdown.
0: meltdown. You know, cause he's like our Elon Musk of building science. He sure <laughs> <Almost> is. <laughs> you know There's a saying? lot better
1: building scientists than me.
0: You know, we, we can totally do like a, like we need to, he needs to do a UFC fight with somebody else in this same category that's in the insulation industry. Mm. That way we have like... We need need a Zuckerberg, is what you're saying? Yeah, so we need a Zuckerberg who's in the insulation business and the building science side. So who's your Zuckerberg? Oh, gosh. You know... You know why we ask, right? Because those two are going to fight each other? Yeah, they're... So I heard I feel about like, that, so I feel like you. So
1: is this going to be like a pay-per-view event? Are are we really going to get to see a cage match I between mean, if Zuckerberg and Musk? If we can have Musk? the
0: Paul brothers, you know, go superstars, we can have billionaire, you know, cage matches. I would love to see it. So that's why I want to start the first installation cage match. Yeah,
1: I would lose because you know, like my kryptonite would be Doctor Joe Stebrick. Uh,
0: um, maybe we just we go different. Maybe we just go basic. Let's go basic, like. Uh, Ryan You know what I'm saying Like we go midget wrestling <laughs> Oh my gosh
1: <laughs> You are bound and determined To get somebody killed
0: I love Ryan But that, that would be like A fitting match You know what I mean The like man child versus you
1: He's You know what The guy understands distribution Oh he does he, he knows more about it Than I do
0: Yeah he's gonna hear this And be like damn it Altering those damn short jokes You know <laughs> He's the biggest Small man I know Ooh. <laughs> well ken wow. thanks again man thank you and thanks uh, for having we you. really appreciate you and and the, the wealth of information you share and uh you know thanks to idi and uh everything that's been going on and shout out to bobby bobby was supposed to be on the show but he couldn't make it today because he's out there hustling for idi
1: that is so.
0: amazing <laughs> um,
1: he was supposed to be
0: here. So what we'll do is we'll have him on with you on the the everyday randomness edition. There we go. There That's what we, we didn't go. call it. The, the everyday randomness. Sure. You Every know? day. We've been random, saying that for you know? years. No. This, yeah. That's what this whole thing was about. Everyday randomness. So you know what? We're gonna do hodgepodge episode one.
1: My episode should be it doesn't make sense.
0: Okay. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, guys, cut. Tune in. No. 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 Oh, no. We bad. gotta. We gotta do the outro, Eric. You oh, do okay. the outro. Take, take us out. Take us out sure. for the day, Daddy. We'll see you next time. Peace.